Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato rahato samma sambuddhasa Udang dhammang sangang namasami So, sam Past year or two, particularly, I've had the um, blessing to a greater occasion to to reflect on on my life and on my actions, duties, loyalties, affiliations, connections, the whole package. Like just coming off of particular topics, details of topics of what I have to do or involved with is the coming just lifting a little bit and looking at the overall picture and uh, feeling enormously grateful for the overall picture that the details then start to line up and make greater sense the particular projects and you know things one works with in in holy life you know both in terms of external activities and internal activities the karma one creates and the bad karma one doesn't create and the skillful connections one establishes and the unskillful ones one doesn't establish uh, and the results of it so really quite a beautiful occasion and it's uh, just fitting that in, you know, like I've spent quite a lot of time just thinking slowly, remembering things slowly, taking time to take the quality of actions in. I think that's perhaps the most important thing, not to just take the time to really savour the quality of the actions, the people I know, the things I've been involved with, building monasteries and so forth. The quality of what was happened, what happens in all that, you know, perhaps just having less occasion to feel a sense of worry or trying to make things work, and just to appreciate, you know, things do work. They sometimes don't work quite as quickly or as particular way one wants them to, but they do. They do bring forth beautiful things, you know, great opportunities for for beings to practice and realize. And this uh, process, wise reflection, deep reflection, wise attention, pondering, considering, yonisomunisikara, giving due attention to that which is skillful, which causes skillful uh, qualities to arise. And uh, for me, connecting this very much to the process of, of meditation, of being the often ignored or, or overlooked aspect of, of samadhi practice, of jhana practice, meditation practice, which people often see much more in terms of a particular technique you do or a particular thing you do for 10 days. You go on a retreat and do these particular systems of focusing attention or so forth. And, you know, when one looks more throughout the suttas you find actually there's none of that there <laughs> there's no technique like that it's not there 
uh, but what is there pretty much, uh, pretty constantly is the Buddha's uh, recommendation of jhana and uh, the word, uh, it appears in several ways, jhana, uh, sometimes translated as meditation or absorption or a particular state or level of absorption or meditation and also a verb, jayati. You know, when the Buddha says meditate bhikkhus, he says jayati bhikkhuwe, means get absorbed, absorb bhikkhus. Here are roots of trees, here are quiet places, absorb. You know, really get t- take it in, don't waste your time, really absorb this. And uh, so it's very much a verb to, to take in, to fully savor and appreciate and drink in. And the images that are used for, as that completes, is the image of sort of a sponge, where you're mixing up powder, bath powder and water, until the sponge is steeped and drenched in this quality, this kind of, it's, it's no, there's not one part of that that isn't saturated with this quality of, of, of the soap powder. And so he's saying, very kind of earthy, the Buddha, saying this is the same quality of the completion of absorbing. It isn't one part of one's body that isn't saturated, drenched, pervaded with the pleasure, the ease, happiness, the lightness of, of jhana, which is born of viveka. Viveka meaning withdrawal, from unskillful states, and so you know this is this is a kind of you know these are this is a benchmark, yeah. and you know John often is kind of well you know you can't that's kind of very special practice or perhaps you don't need it at all these days perhaps you just do insight but you don't really see insight mentioned very much in the suttas at all. You see, wisdom mentioned, yeah. Uh, insight, aspect of wisdom, looking into things, is there, but not very much. Yeah. Jhana, much more common. Mm. Naturally, people kind of feel a bit uncomfortable with that because it, you know, we think, oh, we've got to concentrate to get into jhana. It means you've really got to shut everything off, switch off, you know, focus very hard on a particular point. Keep going, struggle with hindrances, you know, pain in the body, keep going, keep working at it, struggle through, and eventually, bong, you know, you land in some sort of place which is a bit sort of uh, spacey, you're, you're out there, the sense contact has ceased, you're out in some special space. You think, oh, okay, wow, you know, that's going to take some doing, isn't it? And, um, but again, that isn't there. <laughs> And the Buddha actually never says concentrate. So there is something called samadhi, which is not a verb, but a, a noun, meaning the mind is unified. It's settled, it's all gathered together in one place. It's sat- and so, although it's often said, well, you know, if you, if you do your samadhi well enough and hard enough and strong enough, you'll eventually get into jhana. Actually, it's more like the more you constantly absorb, in other words, the more you develop the jayati, experience, the absorbing experience, then this is how you enter samadhi. So it's the other way around, really. You don't develop samadhi and get into jhana. You, you do more and more absorbing, and then you enter samadhi, which is more like a state of unification and composure, where the mind isn't jumping around, and it's, it's settled, and it's gladdened, and it's marked by characteristics such as a quiet happiness, 
which you've withdrawn from uh, seeking gratification through the senses and it is marked with firmness. The mind is settled in that, confident in that, uh, resting in that, really knows that. It's not just an idea, not just a theory, not an attitude, but actually a, a very grounded experience. Now, you know, actually this does not preclude thinking. In fact, thinking and reflection are part of that, a necessary part of that, absolutely necessary part of that in in the Buddha's presentation. It's the cultivation of careful thinking, careful giving careful consideration, and not just topic, but also the thoroughness of it. Not just the flashy, oh yeah, I got that, but no, get it, feel it, get what it's pointing at. How is that? Vitaka, pointing, vichara, really sampling and getting it till it, the heart settles in that. The heart is, is gladdened by skillfulness. Mm-hmm. And that's, uh, so that's not, the thought takes us to a perception or an impression, impression of, of freedom from remorse settledness and there's an emotion a movement of gladness no this is this is the process yeah? and you absorb into all that and through that it's said you know gradually the body feels more light more spacious the mind feels happy because as the body is settled and spacious the mind is happy it is in samadhi it, it just you don't have to push it in it's there and this would Seemingly, again, when we review the presentations of the suttas, this is this was something new to the Buddha. Anyway, he had practiced um, this out of the body states under various yogic teachers, where he get into extreme refined perceptions, such as the perception as the mental impression of non-finite space, measureless space, of no-thingness, of so forth. These things that you can, well, you know, we could talk about them, but why bother? Essentially they were kind of like, almost like hypnagogic states. Out of the body, and uh, and then when eventually, you know, you come back, you're coming back into this body and you're back to this again, and it feels still the same as it was. There's no real transformation of the experience of being embodied. We just slip out of it and then come back into it again. And uh, nothing has really been worked out in terms of this finite physical sensory experience. We just slipped out of it and then went back into it again, come back into it again. And then he says, well, you know, I've been doing this for years and also upping it by starving the body, trying to beat the body down, even breathe less. And then, hey, this is just, God, this is not getting me anywhere. This is painful. It's ignoble. It's not associated with skillful actions. This is, this is harsh. And why don't I stop? And then the recollection through this process of wise reflection, recollection of the time when he was a little boy, image pops to mind comes up to mind 
you know, an image. This is a, a perception arises in the mind of sitting under a tree, and there's his father ploughing the field nearby. He's sitting under a tree, obviously feeling as his dad's out there. It's safe. He's comfortable. It's sitting on a tree in the in this Indian heat. He's cool. I just feels really settled, really nice. You know, things are okay. I'm here. I'm father's there. Got the screening of the tree. Fine. I'm this is okay. Everything is settled. Sense of safety, and nothing uh, to do anything about it. And then realizing, oh, that, well, no, that, that experience, you can't, there was nothing wrong with that. And there was a quiet happiness that arose from the lack of fear, the, the, the absence of unskillful states, pressure, obligation, fear, worry, greed, passion. That was all not there because that wasn't there. And I definitely was sitting here. Oh. That, that was agreeable, quite natural. And then feeling breathing in, breathing out, which is our, our basic, mo- most natural uh, experience. It's, you don't have to do it. It happens voluntarily. It's a gift. The body it has this gift. It's an intelligence. It knows how to breathe in and knows how to breathe out. And it, it operates that without us having to think about it. So it's a very kind of given, amazing, given, just the given. Could it be this simple? Could it be this simple? Yes. <laughs> you know, how do you get that simple? This is often the struggle for people to come down from their complexities of their personal personal lives and their attitudes and... Even the assumption that the more difficult it is, the better it must be, or the more complex it is, the better it, it must be better. Um, no, this is simple. This is natural. This is not a personal thing. You know? And what it takes to come out of all that, the trust and the release and the you know, the freedom from that personal hunger, pressure to achieve, to become, to make something happen, to to know, to understand, to be good at, to make sure other people think I am, or, oh, you know, just go back to the earth. Very beautiful. And we can we can do that. Saying from this... As you settle into this, the happiness of that withdrawal from these unskillful states and inclinations and attitudes and compulsions that run for people, the mind settled into this state of, of absorption. Could this be the path to enlightenment? Following it up? Yes, it is. So this seemed to be a discovery. 
and I think the important thing to recognize is that certainly in the Indian spiritual tradition, a lot of the emphasis is, is was at that time mortification of the body, getting out of the body, and the Buddha is coming back into the body, but not the body that we understand, uh, the kind of sensory body that we see with our eyes and that we attracted to or take personally, but something internal in the body. The body's energy, its intelligence, its sensitivity, its restedness, its freedom from tension, just a natural body. The body in the body. The body as experience itself, not the body as experience through the eyes or through the attitudes or through the comparisons or through all this stuff. The body simply as experience itself. The body you wake up with in the morning. Oh, it's just there, breathing in, breathing out. And the whole personal world kind of comes wrapping, wrapping itself around it, doesn't it? But there's that underneath it all. Hmm? And coming back into that. And why this is, you know, jhana, but also, it's not just a kind of meditation thing. This is really transformative because it does help us to um, integrate ourselves, our personhood with nature, with what's natural, rather than contrived, rather than human artifice, something very natural. And in that, there's a sense of homecoming and, oh, it's just this, you know. You don't have to be that anything as a person. <laughs> That's an enormous relief, you know, for for us in our social humans with all the comparisons and the judgments and the measurements and the performance issues and the who's good at and who's not good at and who likes who, all that kind of stuff. Which can spend a lifetime just rattling around and never get anywhere <laughs> rewarding in it. A spider's web of personal personality view. And there's no way out, you know. That's it, to drop through it. Just to find a place and a situation where you can put it aside. And the beauty of the, the ground, the earth... This is a place that allows us to do it. The trees don't care how good you are. They don't, they're not interested in what you look like or what, you, what your degree is or they're just not interested. It's not an issue. All they want to just, so you can just breathe out into the earth and breathe in, recognizing this is, this is your gift. This is what, embodiment gives you and why you know the Buddha spent his life almost always with trees and with nature you know he'd go into to cities to give a talk but they'd always say to targeters prefer quiet places uh, wooded places because seek roots of trees seek that you're getting less of the impact of the uh, contrived human stuff 
much more just the receptivity of being in nature, absorb it. Forest monasteries, absorb it. Mm. Absorb into that. Mm. Learn how to absorb, because again, absorbing is a, it's a slow process. It's not a, you know, it's like being receptive to these um, simple qualities, simple natural qualities. And as humans, we have another great advantage is that, uh, you know, we also live very much in the realm of our karma, of our actions, the results of actions, and the all of that that all that entails. And you can steer that to enhance qualities that are really worthwhile absorbing, taking in, making much of. As we all know, good karma, and uh, the, it's not just the action, it's the intention behind it, and furthermore it's the ability to reflect, to linger in, to rejoice in the skillful taking it in. And it's it's huge because it's certainly there are obvious topics, the precepts and and what we do, but of course characteristically it seems in Buddha Dharma most of it's about what we don't do. You know, a lot of it is the the not doing of the unskillful. As if if you just begin to if you just begin to let that drop away, there isn't something beautiful is revealed. And from that we can do good. We because once you begin to put aside the, the fearfulness or the greediness or the reactivities or the pressure, the chitta, the heart starts to come forth, you feel happy, and it's because of what you put aside. And then from the happiness then one can do good and enjoy and rejoice in that. And so this is an enormous possibility for humans. Why, in fact, you know... And that's always possible. We don't really move through time. We move through karma, through these circling qualities of heart, intentions, energies, inclinations, behaviours. And again... One of the wonderful things about that is that you start now. You don't really have to have done good all your life. In the case of the mass killer in Gulimala, serial killer, killed 999 people. Maybe that's figurative, but essentially killed a hell of a lot of people. (laughs) And, uh, you know, gets the message, puts it down, and it becomes an arahant. Wow, you know, so where was all that? How is it possible that it's possible to actually own, understand unskillfulness, sense what's happening, and you can still come out of it? The chitta, the heart can still rise out of that mess. Yeah. 
But it doesn't rise out of it through thought. We can never think our way out. We can never, oh, well, I was having a bad day, so I did actually chop his head off, but never mind, you know, it really is a rough moment. I'll do better next lifetime. Or it's because of something, you know, you can't think your way out of it. The answer is really coming into embodiment. Because in embodiment, we take it as a practice, like say, almost feeling out from your gut. You know, you know, sitting inside this and feeling out where you are and feeling the sense of the, the tightness, the restlessness, the agitations and then behind that, the breathing. And beginning to just allow the breathing to come through and naturally as you get more steady in that then, okay, in your heart you do acknowledge wow, that was, that was really bad. That was horrible, that was painful, that was unworthy. And you can put it aside, you can come out of it from the embodied state. Otherwise there would be no way out. There would be no way out if it wasn't possible to do this. But the process of doing that is very much in line with what jhana and jayati absorbing is about. You acknowledge, you find a sense of steady presence, you hold that steadily, you don't panic, you don't get into agitation and thinking, and you feel those regrets, the doubts, the worries, the agitations, and behind that you feel the sense of the body breathing in, and the body breathing out and that quiet energy, and that's what cleans it. Openness and cleaning it. So what is left is the skillful state of unification. The mind is no longer skipping around, putting out fires, pushing things aside, reaching out for something, because it's, you know, we've, we've cleared... So the process of, of absorbing means also you're beginning to fully understand karma, come to terms with it, not as uh, memory, but as actual here and now experience of the results of actions. You can feel it. So this isn't just a, a theoretical analysis, but a review of what's, what's present for us when there's regret or there's bitterness or this craving you know it you feel it and you can also feel behind that here is the good here is natural breathing in breathing out just turn your attention and clean clear that this is a daily life process Again, another kind of thing to recollect because, you know, we probably would feel that samadhi and jhana is a very specialised process that we could only ever possibly do up a mountain, you know, in a hut somewhere. Well, maybe that's where it can take you, but really you, you begin the process daily life.
You begin the process of good karma, bad karma, understanding it, getting it, coming to terms with it. You do that daily. And uh, and you understand it and take it very seriously. Yeah. Uh, and you begin to recognize things, subtler sense such as um, egotism, no. trying to prove you are something, no, that's not skillful, it doesn't get me anywhere. Um, you know, manipulativeness, um, insensitivity towards other people, um, you know, cheering, mocking, stereotyping other people. You begin to see this, the perhaps less obvious aspects of unskillful karma, movements of mind, which are about selfhood, claiming I am this, and taking a personal stance on things. And you think, no, this also is narrow, confined, congested, painful, ignoble, and not necessary. Much nice, much more comfortable is to be open. And, you know, just take refuge in chitta, not in being a person. That's workable. Because, you know, it means also, as we recollect death, you know, what else is important? person doesn't get past death. Jitta does. In fact, jitta doesn't die. It just goes through body after body after body until it's, in, until that process is completed. Persons, every person's marked by separation, endings, yeah, incompleteness, death. So the movement, absorbing in jitta, understanding jitta, Understanding the heart, clearing it, taking it, making it primary. And then from there, this means we can still act, speak, enact, but the whole issues around self are just not relevant. They just make it more complicated. So this essentially is clearing away of that is something to absorb into. So as I said, it's what we do, but it's also what we, what we begin to recognise we don't need to do. And I, say, I would say, by and large, meditation is as simple as that. It's just what you need to do, what you really need to do, do it fully. What you don't need to do, don't do it at all. And you just keep running that equation yeah, not just when you're sitting still, but when you're talking, when you're doing stuff. What do you need to do? If you really need to do it, do it <laughs> fully. Chitta, virya, energy, intentionality, absorb, learn from it. What you don't need to do, don't bother. Just put it aside. And the need, you know, what is really skillful, helpful? What do you want to? Do that you want to feel, yes, this is something I'd like to absorb the results of. And you run that equation through and you think, how much of, this is all right, but so what, you know, it's, 
it's just yeah, not really. Kind of lot of that, lot of that, lot of action is just distracted nervousness. Just kind of doing stuff to to fill things up, and it doesn't. So you know, we do, and then when it's, when there's, we do a complete an action, you look at the ending of that, and then you're in this coming back. Here's breathing in. Here's breathing out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the piece of karma has acted, completed, and we're back to breathing in, breathing out. This is happening because it does happen. And then, you know, how much more do you need to make out of it? Because even meditation can end up being another work project. Where you, you know, create all kinds of scenarios or uh, things one wants to figure out or make it more complex than it really is. And you look in the suttas, so you don't find it. Yeah. But what you do find is the value, the primacy of skillful karma, the primacy of skillful associations, of skillful friendships. The primacy of withdrawal from unskillful, useless, unprofitable, unnecessary. Yeah. The shifting of emphasis from the sensory contact to heart, to kindness, to embodiment, to presence, to awareness. The shifting that you find that over and over again. That is the technique, you could say. Yeah. And the results of it, well, the mind unifies, comes into unification. It's up to us to absorb. To, and absorbing is rather like enjoying. Is there a technique for enjoying? You know, well, no, you just kind of open up and take it in, don't you? <laughs> take it in. And this again is where the whole, to my mind, the whole notion of concentration what do you do with words? I don't know. But to me, when I concentrate, I'm generally furrowing my head somewhere, furrowing my brow. I'm generally tightening up to concentrate. That's what, it, that's what the word means to me. Maybe it means something different to you. Um, but when I absorb, it's different. It's like I sit back, I settle in and I drink in. I take in. One's tightening, the other's opening. But that opening is bounded by I'm opening to the withdrawal from unskillful. So so it's not just the kind of careless opening. It's a a grounded opening bounded by discernment and wisdom. What's worth opening to? What's worth absorbing? If it's not worth absorbing... How much do you want to even be with it, really? You know? How long are you going to live? How much unnecessary stuff do you want to really take in? Yeah? (laughs) And so, you know, think it through. Think it through. This This is recommended, definitely. So there's the 
skillful states that one one encourages is also the acknowledging the unskillful and putting that aside and attuning to subtler qualities such as attentiveness, uh, inspiration, gladness of heart, friendliness, things that are not exactly things you do, they're things that happen to you as you become less driven, less self-centered, less I've got to do, and start to absorb the beauties of, of a virtuous life, of a life where it's set straight and it's balanced, and it's, it's landed on the earth. This is to be cultivated. How long have we got? Hmm? So as Pasana was mentioning earlier to the monks, you know, this con- this bringing Maranusati, recollection of death, as a, again a daily practice. It helps to prune away the unnecessary, the future, the possible, the maybe, the grudges, the pettiness. If you're going to die tonight, what's important? What's really important? Yeah. And so this is another way in which we use skillful reflection to highlight that which is worthy absorbing into, taking it in. All these aspects and cultivations rightly pursued, the Buddha said these will always lead to the path, the path of samadhi. And from samadhi, the mind is firm, it's not pressurized, it sees things clearly, it is ripe for liberation. So I offer this for your reflection this evening. Sadhu <laughs> Sadhu